Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If I could tell my 20-year-old self, I'd say, go house hack, buy a duplex, live in half of it, rent the other half. You'll learn how to be a landlord. And you'll get that paid off and just do that every year. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm here with our guest today, Kent Ritter. Kent is joining us from Indianapolis, Indiana. He is the managing director of the private equity firm, Burge and Held Asset Management. Kent has five years of real estate experience, and his portfolio consists of 440 doors in three states. Kent, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey, Ash. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great, man. Wonderful. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, definitely. So I spent 12 years as a management consultant, flying all around the country, helping large organizations solve big problems. And that was how I got started. And about seven years into that, we decided to go off myself and a few partners and start our own firm. We ran that for about five years. I got that up to about 95 employees, about 30 million in revenue. And then we decided that it was time to exit and time to sell. And that really started my real estate career because I had this capital from exiting that business and knew I didn't want to be hundred percent in the stock market, but didn't really know where else I wanted to invest. So I kind of started this learning of looking at different asset types and alternative investments and landed on real estate and fell in love and now specifically multifamily and just haven't looked back. So really the past five years, I've been focusing on real estate investing first passively and then moving actively to sponsor my own deal. What was your first active investment that you did? My first active investment was actually selling houses on contract and building up a note portfolio. So I was on the debt side of things and that was all well and good. I made good returns, but one day, about a year into it, I got a HUD statement because one of the people sold their house and looked at the HUD statement and that house had doubled in value in that time. So they were making a huge profit and all I was doing is get my loan paid back. And I said, well, debt's good, but I want to own assets. 
So that really put me on the equity side. I started looking to purchase assets and sharing that appreciation. And what was your first asset purchase? First asset purchase was 30 units down in Louisville, Kentucky. And did you raise financing for that or was that your own deal? No, I raised the equity for it. We raised about a million dollars and we syndicated the deal. All right. So there's a natural progression where most people start out investing, taking down their own deals. You went right towards syndication. How did you come to that decision? I had good mentors. I built up a great network in real estate. So I had a discussion with one of my mentors, a guy that owned about a thousand units. And it was like, okay, because originally I was like, now I know I want to buy assets. I know I like multifamily. I've done my education. Okay. I'm going to go out and buy a 50 unit property. Right. He's like, okay, well, after you buy your 50 unit, then what do you do? I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, I run it. He goes, yeah, but all your money will be gone. You're all tied up in this one property and all your eggs are in one basket again. And that's why you didn't want to be in the stock market. So I was like, okay, okay. And he's like, well, what you need to focus on is syndication. I'm like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> so that led down the whole path to understanding the process. And once I learned about it, it just made so much sense to me. It's like, okay, we can all pool our money together to buy something bigger and better than I could buy on my own. And in doing that, it allows me to invest in that deal, but also spread my money around a little bit and invest in multiple properties and diversify. So it just seemed like a no brainer to me. And I was kicking myself for not knowing that this existed previously because I fancied myself a pretty savvy investor, but, but I never heard of that process and really didn't know that a lot of the apartments out there are owned by individuals or groups of individuals like us. I assume they're owned by large corporations. Ken, at that time, you didn't have a whole lot of real estate experience. How did you convince investors to invest alongside of you? Well, it starts with friends and family. It starts with people who you know. It starts with ex-coworkers, people that I had relationships with and had trust with. I think you kind of have to start there because right when you don't have a track record, it's really tough to go out and find Joe Schmo on the street and say, hey, invest with me. But you start with your inner circle. And the thing that I had going for me was I built up a certain level of I guess just trust because I had experience running my own business. I had successfully built that business and sold that business. So I had that business background that I think people saw that he was successful here. Maybe he can be successful there too. But what I underestimated when I first started setting out to raise for that first deal was that people didn't really view me as a real estate person, right? Because it was fairly new. And I realized that I really had to alter people's perception. And I really had to change their perception of me and really view me as somebody who is an expert in real estate and and who is passionate about real estate and loves it. So one, you just kind of start living and breathing that, just talking about it all the time, letting people know what you're doing. And I started a couple of thought leadership platforms. I started a podcast, started a blog, just to show that I have that expertise. And what was the big challenge on your first deal? What was the biggest lesson learned? There's a lot of lessons learned on the first deal. The biggest one was probably not over raising enough. So what I mean by that is typically how the process works is you'll go through a process and get soft commitments from folks, right? That soft commitment is basically somebody just holding their place in line saying, okay, I'm interested and I'm interested for this much, but nobody's actually signed up for anything or sent in any money. So I was feeling pretty good. Like, oh, I've got these commitments for a million dollars. That's what I need. Feeling great. And then it was like a couple of days before closing. I'm following up with everybody like, hey guys, you got to send your money in, blah, blah, blah. And I had somebody back out. Somebody just be like, oh, no, sorry. Can't do it anymore. 
So I was immediately short because I had not expected anybody to do that, right? And the rule of thumb now, lesson learned, is always get commitments one and a half over what you think you're actually going to need. And so anyway, ended up short. It was a scramble, but had another investor who actually wanted to double down on the deal and increase his amount. So it all worked out, but that was a stressful couple of days trying to go into closing. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. Ken, is there a rule of thumb on how early you can fund a deal before you close? Well, a lot of it's driven by legal paperwork. So you've got to have the right paperwork in place. You've got to be able to get the subscription agreements in front of everybody, the operating agreements, which typically take two to three weeks to develop from when you get the deal under contract to when you're talking to your attorneys, take them about two to three weeks to develop. And then from there, once you have those, you can start getting people signed up and you can start accepting money. Now, most people don't like to send their money that early, right? They want to wait till closer until well, the deal is actually going to close. But really, it's driven by making sure you have the right legal documents in place to make sure that you can accept money. And if you had to do it over again, would you have started into real estate syndication versus your other career that you had previously? Oh, 100%. I got another question on a podcast. It was like, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Quit screwing around with consulting and just start buying real estate. Start buying duplexes, quads, whatever you can afford at the time, just start buying it. So tell me more about this 440-door portfolio in three states. Let's dive into that. Sure. So within Burgeon Held, if you think about it like this big umbrella, I lead a business unit within Burgeon Held. We call it Private Select. And really, I'm executing on a strategy that's focused on smaller to medium-sized properties in more tertiary markets throughout the Midwest. And really it's a yield first play where we're focused on cash flow first. And that's why we're in the Midwest. And that's why we're in more tertiary markets because we're finding relatively good values. 
We're buying often from mom and pop owners. So I say that we're buying mismanaged, undercapitalized and undervalued properties because I know that we can come in and we can immediately improve the management. I know that we can bring the capital that needs to be brought to improve the property and bring it up to the standard of where it needs to be brought. So we can affect change very quickly in those properties. So that's what we're doing. We're at 440 right now. We'll soon be right at about 550 or so. And so the portfolio is growing nicely. And we're just seeing now the strategy began executing middle of last year is paying off. And we're just continuing to rinse and repeat throughout the Midwest in towns like Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, Dayton, Ohio, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, all of those markets we like because all of those markets have good job growth. They have good job diversity, meaning there's a lot of healthcare, there's a lot of higher education, there's a lot of government, there's a lot of logistics and all those markets, all jobs that we like and all things that are kind of non-cyclical. So those are the key things that we're looking for. And we're really looking to just add a nice cash flow to investors' portfolios. What are some of the big metrics that you look at? Do you look at new development from Fortune 500s, household income, demographics, traffic counts? Yeah, all of the above. But some things that we've become hyper-focused on, especially coming through COVID, one is the rent-to-income ratio. So what I mean by rent-to-income ratio is how much of the person's income are they paying for rent. So is it 20% of their income goes to rent, 30% of their income goes to rent. So HUD defines rent burdened as somebody that pays over 30% of their income toward rent, meaning you can't afford that. Most people can't afford that. So we look at that very closely. We like to purchase properties that are in the teens or low twenties from what the residents make to what they're paying in rent. Because we know that even coming in and doing the improvements that we need to do and raising the rent to where we need to raise it to return the returns we've promised to our investors that we can still be in the low twenties to mid twenties and have a nice gap and have a nice level of affordability still on the property. And you look at all of this data prior to purchasing. Oh yeah. I hope you're looking at it prior to purchasing. It's a little late afterwards. And then what was your challenge when you went from friends and family to taking outside investors? Because now you've got to sell yourself. They don't know you. Well, you're always selling yourself, right? It just depends on kind of who you're selling to. I think in life, we're always selling ourselves, no matter if we think we are or we're not. The challenge of moving from friends and family to outside investors, it really comes down to, like you said, they don't know you. I think track record becomes much more important, right? Because they're like, well, I don't have a history of knowing you for 20 years to be able to trust you. So I need to see results. So track record becomes more important. I think where a lot of people go wrong is just how they approach this idea of selling. I look at it as I'm just trying to advise them that one, this investment type exists. Two, why I think it's the best investment that there is on a risk adjusted basis. And that's why I've now dedicated my life to investing in multifamily because obviously I like it and try to just educate people so that they get the clarity to be able to come to that decision on their own. So at a certain point, what I see in people is it becomes really like a no-brainer. It becomes, wow, I should be investing in real estate. I should be investing in multifamily. And you got to get people there before you can even start talking about trying to pitch yourself or your company. So my education really starts way up front. And then once you get there, because you've brought them through that path, ideally you've developed a trusted relationship. 
you're bringing them in the right direction. And so if they were going to go invest, then why would they invest with anyone but you who's kind of brought them along this path? And, and that's how I try to look at it. I think where people go wrong is when they get on the phone and you've got your pitch deck and you want to just kind of tell everybody everything you know and show off all your expertise. And you got to meet the investor where they're at. And what I found is a lot of people aren't ready to hear that yet. They're not ready to hear about that deal yet. They need to be convinced that they should be investing in real estate or they should be investing in multifamily and building that relationship with you as an individual, right? Because until they trust you, they're not going to want to hear about that specific deal you have. A lot of high net worth people often devote a lot of time to their profession. And from my experience, when you ask them about investments, yeah, I got a guy, my guy handles all of that. Have you come across that? And how do you answer that? That's a tough one because often that guy doesn't know much about real estate. Some of them do, but a lot of financial advisors don't. One, they may not know much about it. Two, they're never incentivized to tell you to go invest with somebody else and not them. So why would they ever say that that's a good idea? So you run into those things. But I've talked to that guy for people. I'm totally happy to do that. I've sent analysis and things to try to get them comfortable. As an investor, hopefully people understand the incentives that are driving the things that people say or why people do the things that hopefully you understand. Is the person that's advising, are they incentivized for me to grow wealth no matter what? Are they incentivized to sell me products? Because financial advisory relationships can be set up in very different ways. And I hope that people just look at me as another type of advisor, honestly, just I'm a real estate advisor. And that's a lot of why I do my blog and I do my podcast and I, and I host my monthly networking event and things because I'm really trying to advise first. And, and like I said earlier, because I think if I educate people, I think they're going to come to the same decision that I did, the same conclusion that, man, this is a no brainer. I need to be invested in this. And I don't think it is a hard sell if you do that right. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Kent, have you tried to bridge that gap with wealth managers and money managers and try to get them to see real estate as a potential avenue for investing money? And I know the challenge is they're not incentivized, Mm -hmm. but is there a way to incentivize them for doing so? There probably is. I know several wealth managers very well who will refer their clients to me because they really care about their clients' well-being and they're educated enough to know that the stock market is not the end-all be-all. So there are three financial advisors that I know very well that will refer their clients to me because they know that folks should be diversified in real estate. If you look at the wealthiest people in the world, their allocations for real estate are typically between 20 and 40% of their portfolio. So that's a metric I give people. I say, look at what the richest people in the world are doing. And now what's your real estate allocation? And most people say, well, zero. I said, well, if it's working for them, don't you think it'll work for you too? And it does. So anyway, I don't know how to create an incentive structure. I'm sure there's SEC rules with that as well. But I think if there's financial advisors out there who are educated enough to know that real estate can be a great piece of a portfolio. 
I don't ever recommend putting 100% in real estate. Again, you're losing diversification, diversification first, but there's a portion of your portfolio that should absolutely be invested in real estate. And I think those good financial advisors know that. And so they find folks like myself who can provide those opportunities to their clients. I think in doing that, they view it as they're providing value add service to their folks. It's something that they don't have to do. And how do you go about finding deals in these tertiary markets from mom and pop sellers? We really have two strategies. One is direct to seller. So reaching out and trying to talk to folks and get them on the phone. But the second is broker relationships like anywhere else. But the thing that you find is there's national brokers that work in all the big markets and they work across the country. But if you get down a level, there are tons of regional and local brokers who work maybe just in Northern Texas or work just in Lexington, for example. And those are the people oftentimes with these smaller owners that are going to have those deep relationships because they've been in that market for 30 years and they built these relationships over 30 years, which is like the same time that person has owned that property. So I found great success of really digging up these local and more regional brokers and building relationships there. And that's been our best strategy. And what's on the horizon for you? What's next? Well, from a strategy standpoint, I think we're right where we need to be right now with where the market is and where I think things are going to go. I think just focusing on yield first, asset appreciation will come, but we're just going to keep rinsing and repeating what we're doing. And then the thing that we're going to layer on and we're continuing to layer on is really technology. And that's how we're driving a lot of the efficiencies in these smaller properties. Because the hardest thing about a small property is running it efficiently because it's just difficult to do. You can't have on-site management, all these things. So we're applying technology to solve that problem. And we're doing things like smart locks and self-guided tours and AI chatbots and a host of different things. We're going to keep finding new technologies and layering those in to continue to add management efficiencies, but also add value for our residents. For example, we're installing fiber optic internet at all of our properties and becoming the internet service provider for our residents. And we're able to provide a better product, a faster internet at a cheaper price than what the local Comcast or Spectrum, whoever is doing it. And it's not an additional financial burden to the resident because they're already paying somebody for their internet. We just shift it so that they begin to pay us for their internet. That's and also, they, yeah. And also they never have to deal with the cable company. Who the hell wants to deal with the cable company? Right. So in addition to internet, you're doing TV service as well. Well, we do internet primarily. And then, yeah, there is a TV add on through yeah. you, through your company. Yeah, exactly. They can do that too, but really it's internet first. And then if they want TV, they can add on TV. Got it. Kent, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice ever is just get started and you don't have to start big. A lot of people nowadays say you got to start big, get a hundred plus units or whatever. If I could tell my 20 year old self, I'd say, go house hack, buy a duplex, live in half of it, rent the other half. You'll learn how to be a landlord and you'll get that paid off and just do that every year. So just get started and start building a portfolio of assets. Great. Kent, are you ready for the lightning round? Ready to go. Let's do it. What's the best ever book you recently read? I recently read a book called Think Again by Adam Grant. It's all about just kind of challenging your beliefs and this whole idea that your beliefs should not be held in stone. You are not your beliefs and a belief that you formed 30 years ago should change because each day you're bringing in new information. And there's a great quote in the book by Ray Dalio. If you can't look back every year and say, wow, last year I was really stupid. That means you haven't learned very much in the last year. 
So I think it was just really eye-opening to me to like, especially in the time we're in today to like challenge your beliefs and challenge why you think the way that you do and make sure that you're adjusting based on the new information that you're getting every day. That's a great takeaway. Kent, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Right now, I'm focused on giving back my time. So I try to be a mentor for people. I host a networking event. The reason I was able to get so far in the last five years is because of the network I developed and the mentors that have given their time for me. So now, having a moderate level of success myself, I'm trying to do the same thing for folks that are coming up and trying to get started. So I offer time on my calendar for folks. Just try to be a resource. That is a great way to give back. And Kent, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. You can go to kentritter.com. That's my website. That's really my home base. I also have a podcast, which is called Ritter on Real Estate, which I'd love for everybody to check out if they're interested in, in multifamily investing and specifically passive investing. But if you go to my website, you can find everything there, podcast, blog, passive investor resources. And we just actually posted a freebie. If you sign up, it's the top four things you should look for in a syndicator before investing. And really it's from my own experiences of starting out as a passive investor. And then from the first 40 episodes of my podcast, where I asked that question on the show, I aggregated all those responses and these top four things really bubbled to the top. And so put a little one pager together on that. If you sign up on the website, you'll get it for free. And I hope it helps people avoid some uh, mistakes with some bad operators. Ken, thank you for joining us today and sharing your story with our best ever listeners. You shared your whole second life, your second career with us. <laughs> a lot of success in your first life. And had you done it over again, you would have started out in real estate. So thank you for all the advice today and have a best ever day. Thanks for having me on. I had a blast.